Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Teddy Atlas, and I hope you're listening to the Mike Sappho broadcast. Otherwise, you're lost, and you're going to get hit on left hook. Right, Rotem? Yeah. Teddy, first of all, let me congratulate you becoming a grandfather again. Yeah, well, we're going to. My daughter is pregnant again, so uh, we'll be blessed, hopefully, again to have another baby. Uh, October 23rd is the due date. We don't know if it's a boy or girl. We're old-fashioned over here. So none know? of that uh, gender reveal party stuff? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> you know? I really don't. But, no, we, we do things the old way, and we just... we. Nature will tell us, you know, and that's kind of like the way it was done for many years and it worked. And I have two grandsons now. Uh, my daughter has one that's Joseph. He's 18 months. And my son gave us one who's uh, eight months old out in California. Is Teddy still working with the Raiders? Yeah. Is that why God. you wear all the Raiders gear everywhere? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you got to support, right? I mean, people, people say, oh, you know... You're a Raider fan. Well, my family is part of the Raider family, so it's it's more than just a fan. It's it's uh, you're connected. You know, it's important because your son has uh, put a lot of time into it. It's his career. You know, it's his livelihood, and he's uh, he's a scout. He's one of the main guys, mm-hmm. and he's with uh, Mike Mayock, the general manager, and of course Gruden, and he loves them and he thinks they're doing a great job and. Hopefully this year we'll show some of that. I thought becoming a grandfather is supposed to uh, calm, give a common presence. Do you feel yourself being a little calmer or no? It depends on the circumstances. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's the circumstances. I mean, you know, I remember one time a, a guy who was a friend of mine, and he was a guy who was involved in a lot of different things and a lot of tough things. And... He said, he, me and him were talking, and that noise you hear, my wife's leaving, the garage is open now. <laughs> well, you Teddy's gracious coming enough to open up his house for yeah. me to do Yeah, no problem. Thank I'm you. giving my word. I said I would do this for you, and I'm doing it for you, but it's no big deal. But, um, yeah, I remember a guy went through something really difficult, and he had been out of that kind of life, if you will, for a long time. And this was quite a few years ago, but it had been a few years uh, since he'd been involved in anything that traumatic, that that difficult. And I remember we were talking about it, and I said, how'd you be able to handle that? You know, he handled it. And he said, it's always there. It's always in you. <laughs> when the moment comes, That's it. it's like it didn't go away. It's, it's there. So, yeah, I, I hope. When the circumstances and the environment and good people around you, mm-hmm. is, why wouldn't you be calm? I want to be that way all the time. I mean, don't we all want to be of that course. way? Of course. My second congratulations, Boxing Hall of Fame. How awesome is that? Uh, thank you. That you know, was when, when, when I got the ESPN alert, uh, the Boxing uh, 2019 inductees, I saw your name. It was unbelievable. For you, that must have just blew your world, right? No. 
Come on, really? No. I mean, listen, I don't want to be a... Uh, you can curse uh, that. No, I don't do that. I try not to. I try to be better than that. But I don't think it's necessary to be cursing on a public forum. I don't know. But um, it's not going to make me notice more or better mm-hmm. or, or mean what I say any more seriously than what I say it or have many more credence to what I say. What I say is what I say. Hopefully that's enough credence because it's coming out of my mouth and it's coming through my heart and my mind before it gets out of my mouth. No, I... And and again, I don't want to rain on anyone's parade. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a great... It's a great thing, and it's a great honor. It's terrific. But could I ever could I ever be putting out a quote that some people and it's no knock on on the legitimacy of these people putting it out there that they don't feel that way or that they don't supposed to feel that way. Mm-hmm. It's great because I'm happy for anyone who's happy. Really, that's great. But it's not the greatest thing in my life. The greatest thing in my life is um, my children, my wife. I'm blessed, you know, and um, I mean, it was, you know, it's, it's a miracle. You have two healthy children, and and then then they go through thirty something years of life, and they're in a great place. That that's that's pretty. That's something to say. Wow, that's a Hall of Fame stuff. That that if that's how you like a Hall of Fame family. Well, I'm not a Hall of Fame family, but I mean, if that's how you measure things by a word like Hall of Fame. If that's how we measure things, well, I made the Hall of Fame already, baby. <laughs> you know, so so this, it's nice. Yeah. Uh, is it nice? You know why it's nice? Again, I can't put out a phony quote and saying this is the greatest day of my life because it's not mm-hmm. when, when I heard that. But what's great about it is that it will be another moment that I can share with my family that will make them happy. And that'll make me awful happy and feel awful damn good. And you know what? Anything that does that, you have to say thank you for giving me a chance to do that. How did you get the call first? And second, did you write your induction speech yet? Which one you want answered first? The first one, probably. <laughs> um, I... I got the call while I was in training camp with a fighter that I came back to train, Alexander Volzik. And it was when we were getting ready to fight for the light heavyweight championship of the world against against Adonis Stevenson, who was, in my estimation, the hardest puncher in boxing, or the second hardest puncher. Take your choice, either him or Wilder. But he has a better delivery system than Wilder. He's technically a lot better mm-hmm. and superior than Wilder. So the most dangerous man in boxing, we were getting ready to fight, in my estimation. I think in a lot of people's estimation, but at least in mine. That's what matters right <laughs> now, because that's who we're talking about. And so I'm in training camp in Knoxville, California, and I get the call. And again, honestly, it was like, I am just thinking about this fight right now. I can't get excited. I can't like make plans like well you can make a phone, you can do this, you can if if you can send this Teddy, we like I ain't sending nothing. Uh, thank you. Don't don't feel bad. Again, I'm making people feel bad over something good. I'm not trying to do mm-hmm. that or act like a jerk. But 
I I got to find it getting ready in a few weeks to get in there with a guy who, you know, like the old times would say, he hit you on top of the head and he fractures your ankles. <laughs> so I'm not. Yeah, you guys are going to war right now. Uh, so, you know what, get back to me. <laughs> well, I'll get back to you. Like, like thank you. Great. I, I got to go. You know, like. I love it. And, you know, I'm, again, not being an idiot or a jerk or. On, on ungrateful. So, ha- no. so how about the induction speech then? Did you write that yet? Yes. Oh, so it's I'm, I'm not gonna. Again, I'm gonna tell you things. When when you hear it, you're gonna say, or oh, other that. Oh, I'm surprised. I'm just gonna tell you. You know, hopefully, what I always try to say, which is the truth, because if you can't say the truth, well, you know, you should keep your mouth shut, right? So. You know, I'm not going to say, oh, well, it sounds better if I say, no, I didn't write it yet. I'm, you know, I, I didn't have time. No, I, uh, I did write it. Uh, I wrote it because it's important. Again, it's important. Everything I said doesn't mean it's not important. Mm-hmm. It's important. And it's important that I say the right things when the important people in my life are going to be sitting there during an important moment. So it's important. I'll tell you, when I, so I started my podcast around four years ago, Teddy, and I made a list. I'm like, oh, you know what? I do know some people that are well-known. I, I had a bunch of athlete friends, and obviously on my list was Teddy Atlas, well-known boxer, boxing trainer, boxing commentary. I never got around to having you on, and then you know, I'm, I'm on YouTube, and I see Teddy Atlas coming up on Joe Rogan. I said, oh, are you kidding me? I might have missed the boat because Teddy Atlas is going to go big time on me. So thank you for coming on. Yeah, but this big time stuff is, uh, uh, please. Uh, you know what I mean? How do I answer that? Let me answer that uh, <laughs> big time. You know what I mean? You are what you are. You know what I mean? We are what we freaking are. You know, because I'm not on Joe Rogan. I'm no smaller. And because I, I was blessed enough to be on a, a good man's show. And he is a good man. Great man. He's really a good man. Because I'm fortunate enough to be on a good man's show. I'm no bigger. Mm-hmm. Neither one. I am what I am. And that stuff ain't going to... If that influences me, shame on me. You know? I mean, give me one of those pills in those movies where <laughs> foam comes out of your mouth after <laughs> you chew them. Right? And, and, and get the figure out of here. Because... Well, what are you doing? What are you playing, a game? How long was that podcast with Rogan? Was that two and a half hours? No, I've tried like three hours and 15 minutes or something. All right, I know. And Teddy uh, said to me And then probably two. And listen, God bless Joe that he could tolerate me, <laughs> right, for three hours and 15 minutes. But And, and I'll, I'll say it again. I was very blessed and fortunate to, that Joe would allow me to be on his show. Because uh, you told me you want to double that time tonight and do a six-hour, oh, 30 yeah, minutes. So, please. Teddy, if you want to do six hours, speaking of podcast, Tell the people now that that was a joke. Obviously, Let's, it was a joke. It, this isn't uh, six hours. Please, I have to go home to my fiance. Speaking of podcasts, Teddy Alice has a podcast. How did that come about? Because you don't seem like the podcast guy. Well, I guess I'm not. Well, you got a great podcast. How did that come about? Well, I appreciate you saying that. I can't judge that. Other people have to judge that. Mm-hmm. You just judge it. I appreciate that. Um, no, I, I came about with my kids. My kids are smarter than me, and uh, they're you know they're aware of things that I haven't been aware of or don't allow myself to you know get interested in too much. Boxing's been my whole life, mm-hmm. you know, and um, so and I'm not you know I'm not sophisticated with technology. You know, I don't go on the internet. I don't do any of that stuff. I mean, it wasn't all that long ago I had a flip phone. 
So I'll tell you a funny story. I was the way I got rid of the flip phone, I was I was going to Australia to call the Pacquiao Horn fight for ESPN and I didn't want to be without a phone for a week, you know. So I knew enough. I'm not like completely numb nuts, right? <laughs> right? I don't have all stones up in this part of my region. So I told my wife, who's the greatest person in the world, I said to her, and without her, I, I don't know what I'd do, but anyway, I said to her, Elaine, um, do me a favor. And I was doing it like you, like you, like you take the laundry out, you know what I mean? Like, like without even thought. I just, like, you, you, you finish uh, a towel, you just throw it in the laundry. You're not thinking of it. I said to her, Elaine, do me a favor. Can you take this? I've got my flip phone. I hand it to her. Can you take this and get it, uh, like, internationalized? I made up the word, I guess, <laughs> you know? So she was like, she's looking at me, you know? And she's like, get it what? And I said, I don't know, internationalized. Like, just get it fixed so I can use it for when I go. I'm leaving, like, day after tomorrow. She says, you can't do that. I said, what do you mean? Why not? She said, that phone, you can't. You got to get a new phone, Teddy. So I said, no, 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 I'm not getting rid of this. You know, I said, no, they could do something. I know they can. They, they can internationalize they this. They can internationalize it, right? <laughs> they hit it with a beam, right? Something, <laughs> right? Like, something like can make this work. Something, right? Remember Star Trek, Scotty, <laughs> beam me up, right? I mean, something, could, do something. something could do something, right? So, listen, hon, you can't do it. So, she said, "Go in, go into a, go into a Verizon shop and ask them." So I go into a Verizon shop on Staten Island, mm-hmm. you know, and I walk in, young kid in there. And I'm not gonna say he's a wise guy, because he wasn't. He was a good kid, but it was pretty funny what what wound up happening. You know, he's a young kid, and I walk in there and I say, "Hey, buddy, can you <laughs> international?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm like embarrassed to say it, but I'm like, can you internationalize it? So he looks, he goes, I, he said, for what? What do you want to do? And uh, he, he um, actually, what he said, the way he wound up saying it, I, I want to try to say it as close to the way he said it. I, I said, can you do something for me, you know, fix this? I need to use it in a couple of days in Australia. And he looks at me and he says, Teddy, so obviously he, you know. He knew you. Yeah. He goes, Teddy, I might be able to do Yonkers. <laughs> I'm not sure about Australia. <laughs> and I'm like looking at him, what did he just say? <laughs> and this guy, a comedian, and I'm like, and then he's like smiling. He goes, Teddy, no, no, I'm just kidding. He goes, you, no, you can't. He goes, you know, it's time for a new phone. Anyway, uh, out, of the, <laughs> all, out of all of that, I wound up buying an iPhone. Well, my wife bought mm-hmm. me an iPhone. Uh, and now I have an iPhone, I, whatever that is. <laughs> and you're active on Twitter. You have Twitter yeah. now. And I guess what I was, uh, I, I guess I kind of went all over the place. But to answer your question properly, getting into a podcast, my kids always are looking forward. They're always looking ahead for me. And they both felt, especially when I wasn't broadcasting the ESPN fights at ringside, I'm doing the Sports Center stuff now for ESPN, like I did the other day for the 
you know, for the uh, Crawford fight and also the week before for the Lomachenko fight. I'm, I'm doing all that. But I'm, after 22 years, I, I wasn't doing the ringside. So they were like that. We hear a lot of people because they are out there on the Internet a little bit. And my daughter's a lawyer. My son works for local Raiders, like I said. So obviously they're as savvy as you can be with the computers and with, you know, with the social media stuff. And they said, there's people that want to hear uh, your voice. So, and I ignored it. I said, nah, 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 nah. And so they kept saying it. And then my daughter was, after I went on a Rogan show, my daughter said, Dad, listen, I'm getting a lot of responses because you don't look at this stuff. Mm -hmm. She runs on Instagram that I would never have if she didn't decide to do it. And never. So she said, Dad, there's so many people asking you to, to be out there with something. So then I, I, had the, I had the good fortune, the very good fortune of meeting somebody named Rob Moore, just a young PR kid, young sharp kid, who um, we met and he said to me, your kids are right, you, there's a voice, you have a voice, and there's a place for that voice out there in this business. I said, nah, I don't think so. And he said, Teddy, listen, not only do I think so, I'm willing to put my resources behind it wow. and and back up, a, you know, basically do a podcast, whatever it takes to do it, put all the resources I need to put behind it uh, to make a podcast happen with you. Uh, w w would you do it? And when I had my kids saying it, and then I had this this young person that I met that was a good person, that had that kind of belief, and and not just belief, but willingness to risk what he was going to risk to to basically go behind this. Yeah. I said, well, maybe I maybe you know maybe I should do it. So yeah, so I started doing it, and you just said it was seven. You're seven episodes, episodes in, the, in and the fight with Teddy Atlas. I love it. And this past week. You did your first kind of interview show. Who'd you have on? Well, it was our, f our first or second interview. It was our second because our first interview was a few episodes ago with Lomachenko. Yes, okay, okay. So it was our second interview. But, um, yeah, this was Dustin Poirier, just a tremendous person, just like Lomachenko's a special, special person, but in a different field. Instead of boxing, Poirier is in the uh, UFC, and he's a rocky story. He's he's just he's a great story. He's a great story for anybody in any field, you know, in life. I mean, he's a guy that's been in the UFC, a very tough business. Oh my God, you talk about tough, and he's been in it for over ten years, forty fights, and he. You know, he's lost fights. He's He was even thinking about one foot out the door a year ago about retiring. Uh, I mean, just in a brutal, tough sport, been down a tough road with a lot of bumps in it. And like, you know, like people in life that you don't hear about mm -hmm. sometimes. But now you get to hear, you get a chance to hear his story, which is really a gift for a lot of people because he gets a title fight. He's a big underdog and he wins it. Big underdog. And he's a big underdog and he wins. He's Rocky and real Rocky. Yeah. And so we had, again, we had the privilege of my guys that do the show with me, Ken Rideout and Rob Moore, they got it together where he could be a guest. 
I said, yeah, that's, that's, that sounds like something we should be doing. And we had him on as our guest, and people are really reacting to people it. People are digging it, man. I'm telling you, I read the reviews on it. People are digging your podcast. You have such an Thank inf- you. You have such an influence. I'm going to tell you, our families know each other 25 years or so, just say. You're probably the biggest reason why I fell in love with boxing, because growing up, like, oh, that's Teddy Atlas. You know, uh, your son and my brother played together. And all you would hear, like, oh, he trained Tyson. Now he trains Michael Moore and Shannon Briggs. So whenever Michael Moore fought or Shannon Briggs, it was appointment watching in my house. And then I would see you on TV, and it put a connection because I'm like, you know, growing up on Staten Island, you wouldn't really see people you knew on TV. So all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I know. That's, Ted, that's Teddy's dad. He's on TV. Then, you know, Michael Moore wins the title, and I'm like, hold. And you made me fall in love with the sport because you gave such a connection. So I don't know if that's a thank you or a come on because it's a crazy sport you're in. But I want to talk now about the... Well, thank you. I appreciate but it. But I mean that. But I want to talk about the, the current state it's of... It's not boxing. a come on because you're here in my house. <laughs> so you don't need that crap. No, it's true. But, though, but, but, but thank you. Let's talk the current state of boxing a little bit. The heavyweight division has three huge names in it. You know, we're going to go with uh, Joshua, Wilder, and Fury. Jarrell Miller just fails a drug test. And I know you always said that there's never an easy fight. But Wilder and Fury on paper have, you know, easier fights does it frustrate you being in the business, being a lifer, that these guys can't just fight to unify these belts? I'm a realist. Mm-hmm. When you're in boxing your whole life, you're a realist, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. That doesn't give me clout, you know, that doesn't give me, you know, any special status other than I'm a realist. Other than, you know, you're in a business like this, you learn if you don't move your head, you get freaking hit. And if you get hit enough, you get freaking put on your backside. Mm-hmm. So I'm a realist. I know life uh, as far as I don't live in la-la land. So as far as answering your question, you know, I mean, the environment of boxing is is always what it's allowed to be. If the fans allow it to be that, it's going to be that. If the fans run away from it, you'll get better fights. I mean, Makes a lot of sense, uh, doesn't it? Doesn't I'm just it? saying. I'm just listen. People complain, you know, socially about who our politicians are. Hey, it's something called voting out there, baby. You know what I mean? If you guys get sick of it enough, mm-hmm. you vote these people out or you vote them in. But but you forget the power is in the people. We forget that. It's a nice coin phrase. You know, it sounds so cool. You know, it sounds catchy. But people forget how real it is, and they forget to use it. And so, again, I'm a realist, if nothing else. That doesn't make me smart, dumb, this, that, but, you know. But it makes me where I deal with what is there to deal with. And does it frustrate me? Listen, I wish, I thought the 80s was a really good time for boxing because you had fights on free TV. None of this pay-per-view and everything else and apps and, you know, and everything else that, that we got today with streaming and all that. It was on free TV. It was on, you know, Saturday and Sunday afternoons. You could identify with the guys. You could watch it on network television. But here's the kick. You had good fighters and you had the best fighters fighting each other. You had Leonard fighting Hearns. You had Duran fighting Leonard Hearns. Uh, you, you had Benitez. You had uh, you had Penel Whitaker. Uh, you, you had, uh, oh my God! So if the fight uh, you needed had, to happen, it happened. Uh, yeah, I mean, exactly. The people wanted the fight. It happened. You just said it. Powerful words, and and you know, 
it was again it was the best you had some good for a light heavyweight division i mean Matthew Saad Muhammad and Michael Spinks and 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 Jerry the Bull Martin and Yaki Lopez oh. <laughs> and you know you had all these guys fighting each other and then you had Jake Scott in jail was a story. Wow. And he's undefeated in jail in Rahway. And, and he fights Jerry the Bull Martin. And you figure they're going to give him a free ride because he's a story out of jail. Nope. Jerry the Bull Martin beats him. None, none, of, the, none of that fairyland stuff. Then this no, isn't a Hollywood no, movie. No, baby. <laughs> and, and so that's boxing. Mm-hmm. For me, so I'm not going to answer you by saying... I stay up at night and I'm frustrated and I'm pissed and I'm throwing stuff against the walls. You don't see dents in my walls. I no, not. I'm not doing that. But do I wish that boxing could be presented and respected in a way that I respect it and like to see it presented in my view, in my eye's mind or my mind's eye? Yeah, I wish it would be. I wish it would be. Do I think that somebody, I'm not afraid to tell the truth, but it's gotten me a little slapped here and there and, and bruised here and there. It's okay. I'm mm-hmm. still here. I'm still here, but it's done other things for me too. It's allowed me to have a reputation that's okay. You know, it's allowed me to be able to tell my children things and they listen to me. That's, that's important to me. It's allowed me the right to say something to my kids when I need to say something with strength, with power. You know, I, and, I, and what I'm going to say is, did somebody deserve to be in that ring making $5 million the other night more than Amir Khan? Yeah. 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 No, no. Am I crying? Am I going? Am I throwing dishes? No, I'm not you doing just, that. You actually but said he's a better manager than he is a fighter, and you, you kind of nailed it. Like, he's a promoter. That's what he is. And he, and he made $6 million against Canelo, and he made $5 million here, and he made X million here. Robbery. I'm just saying, look, God bless him. He can make it. Yeah. That's fine. It's, it's up to the other people that allow it to happen. But God bless him for trying. You know, he's trying to do what, what you know, he's got a brain to do. What he's got an ability to do. And that allows him to hopefully take care of his family properly. So, or even better than properly. But I'm just saying, if you're going to put the truth on the line, did someone else, is there another fighter out there that not just would have gave a more competitive fight? We know that already. But now with the aftermath. Mm-hmm. But I kind of felt it before. And, you know, you have to, I should know a little something about boxing. I would after hope all so. these, Right? I mean, like Costamato said, Teddy, if you don't know boxing after all these years, <laughs> you should go sell Italian ices on the corner. <laughs> I don't want to sell Italian ices on the corner. All right? So I think I have to know something. I hope I do. So what I'm saying is, yeah, that. Forget about just that it was, we know now it wasn't competitive, but somebody else did deserve it more. Yeah, but again, that's, that's not the reality because the reality is that promoters are looking to protect themselves, protect their little piece of turf. The, the reality is that they're looking for uh, you know, the safest opponent they can get and at the same time still be able to get the money that they're getting for the fight from the public from the network well you know the taste as long as i'm buying the pay-per-view event why not why are they not putting it on people are buying it so why not put it on you gave a heavy sigh when i said jarell miller with the drug test just does that ruin his career now at this point i'm gonna be careful saying this because maybe it should ruin his career but okay. then again then again I'm a believer because I'm an example of what I'm about to say. Everyone deserves second chances yes. in life. Good. So I'm going to say that. I say it twice. I make sure I say it loud enough so people hear it. Everyone deserves a second chance. But 
should they, should he be accountable for it? I mean, he's losing a fight. But besides losing the fight and losing a payday, should there be a suspension attack? We'll see what they do mm-hmm. because these uh, commissions are paper lions. They're paper lions. They're, it's ridiculous. And a lot of their salaries are paid by tax people's money. Like, why? Well, for what if you're not doing nothing? Do something. So should he be an example to other young fighters that you shouldn't do this? And by being an example, there should be strong repercussions besides that he lost his fight. You know, as far as the suspension, yes. I'll say that loud, too. Yes. And then he can redeem himself. Then he can have the great opportunity that people in this world and people in this great, great country called the United States of America get to do, redeem themselves. And Redemption. America and nothing, loves a comeback Nothing story. is <laughs> better than that movie called Redemption. <laughs> nothing. So, yeah. But is, is it... I think there's a lot of it out there. Mm-hmm. See, again, people, oh, Teddy, you well, what? You can't talk to truth. Shut your mouth. Well, right. Really. There's a lot of it out there. He got caught. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness there's VADA, and, and there is an apparatus. There, there is a mechanism in place, you know, uh, uh, a place where, in place, where, you know, VADA can be involved in a fight, and they can do the doping uh, test to see if so. But that's not there for every fight. How many fights out there that people are dirty, but you're never going to know it? That's scary. You never... You're never going to know it. And and I can tell you from being in this business 40 years, there's a lot of it out there. There is. Do I see the needles going in their arms? Of course not. Of course not. So do I have to be careful what I say? I have to be responsible what I say. But does that mean I don't know, you know, that old thing called common sense, right? Yep. Right? Like your nose on your face, you'd see your nose is there. It's 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 not, you know, it's not much more than the common sense in front of your nose. Um, that there, there's a lot of it, and a lot of it, most of it, as in I'm sure in a lot of places in life, in a lot of sports in life, a lot of areas in life, a lot of, you know, crafts in life, uh, there's illegal things going on. You only see a little bit of it. You know, they only catch a little bit of the fraud on Wall Street, right? They don't catch all they of catch it. They catch what they want to catch, they, too. Yeah, all of that, yes. And, um... And you should know because you have that in your blood, in your senses, in your upbringing, in your training. You're a cop. Mm-hmm. So you understand better than the average person, yeah. But we're talking about this, and there's too much of it out there, yeah. I believe. And this, again, you know, you could say what a moron, what a dope, you know, because he's going to lose a payday. But he he should be punished for this. And, and I'll take it further. Again, a lot of people... Maybe a few people will say, Teddy, you know, thanks for saying that. And there'll be a lot of people that say, why don't you not say it? You know, because they're on the other side of the fence to it. But I think the people around them should have repercussions. Yeah. What, what, is he alone on this? You're going to tell me that his He's trainer? He's not a lone wolf. Please. Please. You're See, a trainer. You again, know, right? You're a cop. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. We're talking to each other here. Exactly, We're looking Ted. in each other's eyes here. We know. You're, right? I mean, the, you're going to tell me the trainer? Oh, was was uh, not complicit on this, uh, you know? Come on, come on! You're gonna tell me the people that that tight circle of people that are involved in his training, involved in his daily routines, in his daily management of his life, in preparation for a fight, they don't know about it? Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Give me that bridge. Don't sell that give to me, me and you. Give me that bridge. 
because I want that bridge. I want to pay $10 <laughs> for it. Let's fast forward right now. How the hell did the, the nail, Volsdick, how did he get you back into training? How did this happen? By being I, a good person. Really? Good human being. How many, without naming names, how many people have asked you recent, like in the years to come back and train them? No, listen, I'm not going to. You again, know a lot, Teddy. I, I've been asked. And what, what was it about him that I love this kid, this is my new guy? The same thing that made me come back when I was away and the door was closed and, you know, closed shut. What, what, that made me come back for Timmy Bradley because I, I saw him as a good person and someone I could help. And um, this time the door was bolted shut. It wasn't just shut with the normal <laughs> lock. You weren't just turning the, the door handle on this one. Yeah, it was, this one had that, that metal thing that goes, <laughs> the a, <deadbolt. laughs> goes across the way, you know, and, and it goes into the wall. And um, He's a special kid, this one. Yeah, well, I mean, I got a phone call from David Berlin, a man who I trust, a lawyer in the boxing business, and a lawyer who does pro bono for my foundation for years. So I know he's a good man. When he talks, I listen. And he called me, and the manager, Agus Klimas, who I've known for years, uh, the manager of Vosik, called me. And jointly, they, they got a hold of me and told me that they'd like to talk to me. David first alerted me that they would call me, and and then Agus called me and said, I'd like to talk to you about training, you know, the fighter you just said, Alexander Vozik. You know, I was probably thinking about saying no. Mm -hmm. not, no knock or anything on him because I wasn't going to give it any thought. Just don't want to be, I didn't, you know, I didn't trust the business. I don't want to be, you know, there's there's a lot of the business that I, that I hate. Um, I don't know if that's too strong a word, but it's probably an honest word. It's an easy word, I guess. Sometimes it's too easy, maybe. Maybe I shouldn't just say it that way, but I I just, uh, I don't trust. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, sometimes it becomes easier to say yet, uh, no than yes, you know. And and sometimes it's it's a weakness on your own part to do that too, and you got to check your weaknesses if you're in a business that that calls for strength like boxing does so i try to check my weaknesses when i can okay yeah because if you start saying no i don't want to be a weak person so uh the place i go to check it now they to check my weaknesses is uh, my children so i checked my weaknesses with my children and uh, my children said yeah you're wrong um <laughs> i said you might be right but you're wrong to that quickly say it okay so i said all right so they they reminded me of how fortunate and how lucky, just how lucky I am. And both of them told me that we think you're the greatest commentator of all time. This is my children. So, of course, doesn't, I mean, <laughs> I can say it only because I don't sound like a schmuck saying, like I'm saying it or someone said it. It's my children. So they're allowed to say crazy things, you know, things over the top. Because they're my children. So they said that uh, the best commentator and all this stuff. But that's not why you were asked 22 years ago to be a commentator. It's because you're a trainer. And you're not a trainer, Dad. You're a teacher. And Customato told you when you were 18 years old that you were born to teach. And Customato was right, Dad. And you taught us. And you taught a lot of fighters. And Dad... 
He also taught us that doing something in your life that can be special and that you can really enjoy and that can help people is a privilege. And that, are you forgetting that this is a privilege? And that privileges go away, Dad? That they don't last forever? And I was like emotional. You know, I feel that way a tiny bit just think about. But um, I was like, you know, you guys are really special, you know. And um, so they they said, so Dad, before you say no to somebody giving you the privilege, the privilege of coming back and doing what maybe you were born to do, teach. Why don't you think about it instead of just saying no? Say, all right, thanks, guys, you know. I, yeah, that's what I do. And um, and they also reminded me, they said, Dad, you started a foundation 22 years ago in memory of our grandfather, your father, to help people because that's important to you. But you also told us when you were teaching us about the foundation that it's not that we're doing something special and it's not that we're special for doing it because people come up to you and they thank you for what you do because you put a wheelchair ramp up or you paid for somebody's son to be flown out of state for hospital treatment that wasn't available in state or that their insurance wouldn't pay for and your foundation did that, you know. But that... Instead of it being like taking accolades for people saying thank you, you reminded us that we were the ones that should be thankful, that we're in position to do that. You reminded us of that, Dad, when we sometimes were thinking, oh, gee, well, we did this and we did that. And you said, no, 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 no. You guys, we're, we're lucky that we could be in a position to hear those things to do those things, to help a tiny, 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 tiny bit with those things. We're fortunate. We're privileged. And so, Dad, why would you not, if you got a fighter who's in a tough fight, who thinks you can help them, because that's why he's coming to you, why would you not want to help him? Because that's what you do, Dad. You help. That's like a Vince Lombardi talk right yeah, there. Yeah, is better. Although Vince Lombardi is pretty damn good. <laughs> and um, so I, you know, I had something to think about it. Wow. So I did. I did some thinking, you know, and I had to give an answer because these people had to have a trainer to get ready pretty soon. And, you know, it was months away to get ready for this fight that's going to change this kid's life one way or the other. So, um, and it's serious. That responsibility is serious to me. It should be, right? So I, I, um, I told the manager, I guess, listen, I can't give you an answer, but yes or no, but I need to come out there for two days and spend two days with the fighter and see what kind of, what I see. Mm -hmm. So he said, come on, let's go. So I flew out, spent two days out there. Uh, one day was for the gym and the other day was to spend to see his family, see him, spend time with him, see what kind of person. So I saw him as a, you know, I saw him as a person, as a man. I saw him as a father, I saw him as a husband. He's got three beautiful children and a great wife. And I saw that. And when I saw that, I also saw, and I can't do it if I can't, if I don't feel I can help. 
if I don't feel I can improve or help, mm -hmm. I got to say no. Because, like, what, what am I doing it for, right? So I saw, I looked at film, did my due diligence, you're supposed to, and I saw I could help him. I thought I could help him at least. And that's not, you know, bravado or bragging or being conceited or being a jerk. And that's what you're supposed to know in a business. A guy, If you're a mechanic and a guy brings a car into you, you're supposed to know, I can fix that car. You know what? I, I, could, I could help those brakes. <laughs> I, you're supposed to. I mean, yeah, that's what you're trained to do. So I said, I could help this guy, and um, now do I want to? That's the key. Because it's dedication. Yeah, you take yeah. time away from your family. And, and there's, listen, it's a privilege, but there's a risk because people love to take shots at people when, they, when they're fortunate enough to get to a pretty nice place like I have in my... Mm -hmm. took a long time, but, you know, when, you have a, when you're fortunate enough to get to a level of success, I don't know, it's, it's a human phenomena. I don't completely understand it or appreciate it, but I do recognize it. That people, they it makes them feel better to take a shot at you yep. sometimes. But but see, I have kryptonite. My kryptonite is I don't watch the internet, so I avoid. So you, you don't even see, it bounces off you because yeah. you honestly so, don't know. Yeah, it's kryptonite, baby. <laughs> so I, I my you know that saying. See, I make sayings come true for me. Okay, I make them work for me. Ignorance is bliss. I make that work for me, baby, and you know, uh, and so. Ignorance is is chosen, so I choose my ignorance. So I choose to be ignorant of the internet, mm -hmm. and it's bliss for me. So I don't, but I do understand that it it could impact my family. That that touches me, that they can hear it, yeah. they can feel it, and that people like to be mean. And so the risk is in that way, and the risk is in yourself. You want to win, you want to be right. But the greatest risk, why I didn't say yes right away. It took me. A I don't know, a couple of weeks, is I don't want to fail the person that trusts me. Now, the fighter is trusting me. I don't want to fail him. So that is something I feel. And I don't feel it, and then it goes away. I feel it every day. And I'm not saying I'm different than anyone else. I can't speak for anyone else. I never thought of that, that the fighters, hey, I'm, I need you to help complete me. And that's, that's more pressure on you, too. Well, it's supposed to be. I mean, what, what the hell is a free ride? I mean, you're supposed to be providing something. And then, listen, it's, it's, it's not a complicated, you know, scheme here or understanding or formula here. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's not E equals MX45 <laughs> point cubic. No, it's pretty simple. It's what you're supposed to be. You're, you're given an opportunity in life. You're supposed, to, you, you're supposed to react to that opportunity and... You're supposed to provide what you're being asked to provide. You're supposed to, you know, you, you get, you give. You're, you're, you're hired to do a job. You're supposed to do the job, okay? It's, it's pretty simple. And, but in this case, it's human beings. It's one-on-one. -on -one. It's those three kids that I met. It's all of that. And so it becomes, for me at least, it becomes every day thinking about, Am I going to make sure I don't fail this responsibility? That's all. And it's something that's not comfortable. I mean, again, I'm privileged. It's not like I'm doing this for free. I'm getting compensated for it. Nobody has to tell me those things. I know all that. But it goes, but there's other parts to it. It goes beyond that. There's other parts to it. There should be. There should be. 
And there are, and I'm sure with everybody. But again, for me, it's not, it's just, you don't want to fail that responsibility. You don't want to fail a person that gives you complete trust. Going into, you know, he's not going into, you know, just walking into a building and spending X amount of hours and coming out of the building. He's walking into, getting ready to go into a ring that sometimes you don't come out of the ring. I mean, it's, it, it happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go on the football field, sometimes you don't walk off the football field, right? I mean, it happens. You go into a race car, sometimes you don't come off the racetrack. You don't walk out of the car, you I mean, don't. sometimes. And listen, do you think about it every day? No, of course not. I mean, you do what you do. Um, you know, hey, a doctor. I'm going to switch it on people that are listening now. Uh, a doctor who takes the responsibility, to- takes that medical oath, that that oath uh, when they get out of medical school, you know, that they're going to preserve life or try to preserve life uh, every time. Uh, they they go to take care of a patient. There's no guarantee that it's going to be successful. They go to do surgery. There's no guarantee that that surgery is going to work or that the patient's going to be alive on the table at the end of that five-hour, four-hour, three-hour surgery, whatever it is. There's no guarantee to it, but they understand the the oath they the responsibility and they understand you know why they chose that profession but you're gonna tell me and they and they get paid for their work and all that stuff but you're gonna tell me that if he's a human being this doctor that that's not hanging in the air mm-hmm. that that's the, and and that he doesn't get impacted by the reality that if you're a doctor long enough that not every one of them is going to be successful. If you're a trainer long enough, not every one of time that you commit to somebody is going to live out the way you want it to. So, yeah. So I had, you know, I was, the, but I realized at the end of the day, the easiest thing is the same thing I talk to kids in school where I get asked to talk to these kids. I run social programs with my foundation where I go into at-risk schools and I tell them, if you start taking responsibility and ownership over who you are, over your behavior every day, I'm not asking you to get A's. I'm just saying, if you start taking a different approach, a different attitude, where you take responsibility over your conduct every day instead of just saying, I don't give a damn which a lot of these kids are saying every day. If you day. own up to you. If you yeah, you, if you just take responsibilities for your behavior, what you can control. I know you can't control how your parents acted at home or your one parent or your no parents. I get it. I'm sorry for that. I am. But here we are. Here we are, baby. So I'm in your school saying if you can take responsibility instead of making excuses of I don't care no more. And I get it that you have a reason to feel that way. But if you can start thinking differently I'm going to leave a hundred tickets to a Knicks game my foundation is going to buy this is what we do we've been doing it for 22 years with the other stuff that I talked about earlier I'm going to leave a hundred tickets to a Knicks Nets um, Mets Yankee game and we're going to supply the buses because the board ahead you know what Sometimes, again, I, I, and people, you know what? You, you don't want to hear the truth. Leave the room for two seconds because sometimes the board, as you see, I'm not going to, yeah. because I don't want to, again, I, I don't be cursing and, uh, and being that jerk, but sometimes they piss you off. Sometimes they disappoint. They, like yeah, they n- piss nice you off. Like, like you're, you're trying to do something and you, you can't give me a yellow school bus. So, you have to do all three hurdles and so, you're helping these yeah, so, out. But, but it's okay because at the end of the day, 
you, if it's what you want to do, it's part of the road. It's part of the road you got to go down. So you say, oh, well, that, the road's just a few feet longer than I freaking thought it. it was. And it's just a little less paved than I thought. So, but, but we still got to be on this road to get there. So when I tell the kids this, you know, um, and I go in there to the schools and explain this to the kids to get them to take ownership over themselves. Uh, you know, it, it's the it, it's it's the same thing. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the, 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 the foundation because no interview, podcast, article about Teddy Atlas now isn't comma Dr. Theodore Atlas. Well, that's, foundation. I'm glad because it can help us help people. Yeah, but it's like synonymous with you now. Are you surprised how big the foundation got? Because I'm glad you mentioned it. it was my next thing I wanted to talk about because it went from a foundation I remember at St. Teresa's hearing about it to now when it's it's a gala. It's an event. It's a must. It's an appointment going to. Is are you, besides the proudness and honor of it, are you just surprised how big it got? I'm glad it got there. Yeah. I mean, am I surprised? I guess so, but I guess so. But I'm just again. I'm. I, I feel. I don't know the same thing. I guess, you know. I feel. I just feel grateful. I feel grateful that we can have the resources to help more people now that we got bigger and that we can do these things. And, you know, I just feel grateful for that and f that for the trust of the people out there. And I take that trust real serious, you know, that they come to our events to give us the monies to do these things and know that we're going to do it, know that we're going to do it without administrative costs. We have one paid employee. Let's say it again. One. And they, they not twenty one, not twenty one, not a hundred one. One paid one paid employee, one small office. And so that means all other than that, which is a very nominal amount, quite frankly, all of the money, all of the money goes to where it's supposed to you go. Know, when you and when there's an event, Teddy Atlas is buying a table to every event himself. Mm -hmm. I'm not going free. There's my dinner, I buy a table. Just like other people are good enough to buy, I, I do the same thing. People know if they give one cent to the foundation, it's going to a good cause. And you, when you were on Rogan's podcast, you, you told stories about your dad. I bet you people tuned in to, talk, to hear about boxing and Tyson and this, and then your dad's stories came up because I read the comments. Your dad was, I know you'll downplay, he was a saint. He was doing house yeah, calls was. at 80 years old. He wouldn't charge poor families. He opened the, I told my mom yesterday uh, during Easter that you were coming on. And we started talking about your dad. And she goes, you know he opened up a hospital on Staten Island? Like, he did these phenomenal things. Like, I was blown away on Rogan. He here. opened a hospital and so people, poor people, could get hospital care that they know way before this talk about Obamacare and all this. Way, way. Decades, decades before that stuff. There were no HMOs, nothing. And he opened up, he built, he didn't open it, he built, your mom's right, he built, not one, two, two hospitals. So, and the first one was Sunnyside on Staten Island, so people could get free hospital care, proper hospital care when they had no money, when they, they were poor, and he absorbed the cost. And and the people that had insurance, that had money, that came to the hospital because it was a good hospital, that that covered the bills, you know. And what he had to absorb, he absorbed. And uh, I just thought, look, we could go on for ten days talking about this man. I just thought, and I'm not a pimple on his backside, but I just thought 
that a man who lived a life like that should be remembered. Mm-hmm. And what better way to remember him than in the spirit of the way he lived his life, to do what he did, you know, to the extent that we can. You said he would go into, like, the projects late at night at 75, just doing house calls, whoever needed him. That's just, it's, that blows your mind what a good person he was. And the kids would run out of the projects, these poor kids that were, you know, sometimes left to the streets and everything that could be on the streets, would run out of the projects and carry his doctor's bag. He was loved. That's, I mean, really, that's, you know, you, you talk about respect or you talk about people just, you just talk about people seeing, sometimes they just have to see that a person is there for the right reasons and they automatically learn what to do. They automatically, goodness comes out in people that you might not have known was in them. It just comes pouring out in them. That's why you surround yourself with good people. It gives off that energy. I don't know this answer, Ted, about you. You grew up the son of a doctor. So I'm assuming, you know, upper middle class, just say your dad was a good guy. How do you get involved in boxing when traditionally, because Boom Boom Mancini was just on. We just talked for like an hour and a half. And he was saying, like, he grew up in a nice family. And boxing <laughs> wasn't really a way out or something. What? How did you get into it? Boom Boom Mancini's different. His father was a f- real fighter. And he wanted to follow in his dad's yeah, footsteps. Yeah, so that's a whole different story. But how do you get into it? I mean, his father was a hell of a fighter. And, and, and a tough, tough, tough guy doing a tough, tough, in a tough division, doing a tough, tough time. And uh, some of his career was taken away by going to the war, I believe. Yeah. And so Boom Boom showed himself to be a great son and a loving son and wanted to follow and give his son, his father, something that he didn't get a chance to fulfill. The belt. Yeah. So that's 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 great. That's beautiful. Um, my father wasn't a fighter, you know, but my father was the toughest man I ever knew. You know, and I was around. Turns out, I was around fighting my whole life and mm-hmm. so-called tough guys my whole life, and um, you know, uh, but the toughest man I ever met in my life was my father. You know, I started to learn that when I was, I don't know how old I was, but I was very, very young. And I walked in his room without knocking on the door, which you're not supposed to do, but, you know, you're a kid, you do that stuff. And I walked into his room, and there was a mirror to my left, and he was over on the right-hand side of the the, um, room. And I saw in the mirror, as soon as I walked in, I saw that he was undressed, and he was bent over in pain. And uh, there was a weird contraption on his body. It was called a trust, a thrust, trust, whatever, thrust. Uh-huh. I didn't know what it was, but it was a leather apparatus that pushed your insides in so they didn't stick out. Because in those days, they didn't have the ability to do the surgery with lasers the way they do arthroscopically and everything today for hernias. He had a double hernia that was sticking out. And so this thrust would keep it in. And (laughs) I didn't know what to figure out. I just see this thing and I see this man in pain who never showed any emotions at all, stoic, Iron Man, Superman, and he goes to work every morning at 7, doesn't come home to midnight when he has to do house calls and, and free house calls and, and stay in the office with, with patients that don't even have money to pay him. And he's staying, and the office hours are uh, 4 hours and he stays 9 hours. 
because the line doesn't stop. And he's doing this every day. And Sunday he works. And Saturday he works. And every day. And so uh, this man, you know, I, I, don't, I know about Willie Mays a little bit and about Mickey Mantle and Willis Reed and those guys a little bit. And I like them. I like them a lot. But I didn't know what a hero was. But if I did, it was that guy. Wow. It was that guy. And so, and, and without words, no words, no him saying, this is what you got to do. You know, Teddy, I don't feel good, but I still go to work to make money for you. No, 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 not, not whispers, nothing. No words or nothing, but one thing that was loud, action, action. Every day seeing this man go without a word, never saw him flinch, and then I open up the door without knocking, and I see him flinching. Be only because he was allowed to because there was nobody in the room. In the privacy of his own home. In his own room. Nobody there. And and I'm like, what the freak? And I'm a kid, you know, and and then he, you know, got mad that I came in and, you know, and um, straightened himself right out. And I noticed it, it left an impression in my head. There's no teacher like, like seeing, nothing like seeing and, 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 and living and witnessing and within a millisecond the pain was gone and so i didn't articulate that into my brain at that moment i didn't know how to articulate it i didn't know how to re but it was registered it was imprinted and as i got older all of that all of that started to come to formation that you don't have to have pain if you don't want to you you don't you don't have to uh Make excuses if you don't want to. You don't have to uh, bail out of something if you don't want to. You don't have to show that you don't feel good if you don't want to. You don't have to say no if you don't want to. You don't have to say I can't if you don't want to. And and I'm so it 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 started to all of that came to me later. But I saw it. It was like putting something in a program, and I know nothing about computers, but I know the theory of them. And it was like putting something into a program that was being stored to be... For later uh, use. For later... Wow. Up, what they call that? Up, uploading. Uploading. Oh, that's the word, babe. For later uploading. And I just... Um, you know, uh, this guy... Like I said, he, you know, he was he was he, you know, he was he was special, and so he taught me, you know, how to be a pro without talking about it, how to be a trainer uh, without teaching it. He was living it by his actions and showing it, and so I got lost. You know, I got lost. Uh, I wrote a book when I finally thought it was okay to write it when my kids were old enough to understand it and to try to explain. I wrote the book. People said, well, you voted for this, you voted for that. I wrote it for myself so I could learn. It was therapeutic? Well, it wasn't therapeutic. I'm not going to say because Wait, I'm... is that I, Atlas, From the Streets to a Ring, A Son's Struggle to Be a Man? Yeah. I, I, I can't say it was therapeutic. Maybe it was, but it's not like I needed a couch and a freaking guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not that guy, really. <laughs> <laughs> I but I think what I did need I needed some kind of resolution to I guess what I needed was I needed to explain it to myself 
that makes sense? Yeah, of course it does. I, put I, it into words and then it's yeah, real, then you can... Yeah, I needed to explain it to myself. And that was my way of, of kind of figuring it out in that way for myself. And I also thought it was a way of saying it to my kids that they hadn't heard yet because they were old enough to, to look at it. And uh, so, you know, so, you know, so when I wrote it, it was... Uh, uh, again, it was uh, uh, it was just it was the right time, I guess, uh, for me to to be able to to go down that road and you know do that do that kind of project and and just uh, again, it was about uh, it was a it was also a way of kind of saying thanks to my father, like like. You know, and it was like I said earlier, he was the toughest guy uh, with all these people that I knew that were supposed to be tough guys he he might have been the only tough guy I ever knew I mean, like that's a bold statement i mean I mean, when it comes down to the true real toughness the true definition and the true testing because you really don't know about people until they're tested mm -hmm. and really in any dimension. You really don't. You, you know, you could think you love this girl and you want to marry her and everything, but until there's a test, you're really not sure about that true commitment until of love. Until you first get to adversity, you well, don't know how to handle it. Yeah, some kind of test. And, you know, you don't know about a fighter until they're tested. You don't know about a friend. I remember Cus. He was, Cus was a smart man, and he was my mentor in boxing. And I remember he told me one time when he was young, that a friend of his came to him very, very upset. And Cus said, what are you so upset about? And, and uh, he said, oh, I'm, I, he, he said, I just, you know, been, you know, I, I've been friends with this guy 20 years. You know, they were like, whatever. It was younger than Cus's life. So maybe Cus was 30. I don't know what he was at that time, 35, whatever he was trying to project in the story. And he said, so this friend of his tells him, I'm really uh, upset because this guy's 20 years of friendship and I find out uh, today he's, you know, he's not my friend no more. So Cus says to him, well, whatever's, whatever tells you that he was ever your friend. And the guy got very insulted, mm -hmm. very insulted because he was upset to begin with and Cus is not appreciating his hurt. And he said, do you hear what I just said? How could you say that? He's been my friend for 20 freaking years. He said, I'm going to say it again. How do you know he was ever your friend? And the guy, you know, was like a little lost at, at understanding this. And Cus says, other than having beers together, whatever you were doing, hanging out, playing ball together, playing stickball together, I get it. He said, but how do you know beyond that that he was ever your friend? Was there ever a situation, a test is what he's getting at, but was there ever a situation that demanded of him, that asked of him to put himself in harm's way? And he's like, no. Was there ever a situation where it would be uncomfortable for him to be your friend? Was there ever a temptation for him not to be your friend? And he went down this laundry list of stuff that was in Cus's head mm. from the way Cus lived. It showed his, friendship. Yeah, that the way Cus, you know, lived his life. 
and, and marked such things and graded, you know, gauged such things. And the guy was like, the guy was like speechless. And, he, and then the guy was like quiet. He was, no. He goes, well, today there was. And he wasn't a friend. And he was never your friend. Teddy, you've, you promised me six hours. We're going to do another couple. No, no, I didn't. No, no, we're going to do uh, two more minutes. We're gonna I promise you 20 minutes and you're freaking, I got to throw you out of this joint. We're going to go quick questions quick, all right, Ted? A few quick ones. Quick answers. I, I feel bad for the people listening out there. Why? They're going to love know. this, Ted. You because, tell, you're no, a good no, you know why? Because I get lost sometimes. Because I, I start to say something and, and I'll get so into, you know, the feelings of what that attached to me with what it's attached to me with, you know, the meaning of it, mm-hmm. that I'll lose track of where my jump-off point was. And if I did, then I'm sorry. But, Ted, if the story wasn't good, I would have cut sorry. you off. All right, we're going to go quick, Teddy. Throughout your whole career, any cool memorabilia that you kept throughout the years? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wasn't, like, a memorabilia guy. Like, mm-hmm. I never thought, like, after a fight of keeping hand wraps. Sure. You know, and people do. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's not a good thing because I think it is kind of cool. But I just was ignorant of it, I guess. I wasn't really. But then at some point, my kids, kids open your eyes to a different world. And my son, when my beautiful son came along into my life and my beautiful daughter, but my son being a son, It was such an important thing to him to get autographs. It was like a big day. When we, I would take him to all the games. I mean every game I could when I was home. And I, you know, because I mm-hmm. felt guilty. I was away in training camp. I was, so I, call, I, I got to take him. I'd take him. We would stand outside looking for order. I mean, things I, oh, I would never do. I would hate to do. But, but I would do for him because it was important to him. Mm-hmm. Because he was a kid that, you know, I'm in the sports world, so he wanted to, and and he was just, and I played ball with him, and he was a good ball player, and and that was my way of being with him and bonding and stuff, and you know, I was always in a park with him when I was home, and I was I was always the, you know, the the pitcher for both teams, so we could have games, and a quarterback for both teams, so we could have games, and uh, you know, so he. It was a big deal for him to get autographs. Oh, Dad, can we get that guy's autograph? Dad, can we do this? Dad, can we? So he opened my eyes to something that I had no thought of. And so then I started saying, wait a minute. This stuff's important for him. Mm-hmm. So I get, let me hold on to some of this stuff. So here have it. And my daughter, of course, but it was, yeah. you know, it was because of him. So, yeah, I, I started all, all as there was a lot of things I would start to say for him. So downstairs in my basement, yeah, I, I, I got Michael Jordan signed stuff and Wheaties boxes. I mean, I got Shaquille O'Neal signed basketballs and posters when he was with the Orlando Magic. Uh, you know, because again, he opened my eyes. That's it's, cool. Uh, so, you know, I got Pernell Whitaker, the Holyfield signed stuff. I even got, and this one I'm as proud, maybe the proudest one. I got a Jack Johnson signed card. Yeah, Jack Johnson, because I wanted my son to have something special. The first black heavyweight champ of the world. Mm-hmm. I thought that was special. Wow. So I said... That's one of the holy grails of memorabilia. Well, I said, so let me get something mm-hmm. like that. So I did. So I got that, you know, I got that for him. And so, yeah, I guess, yeah. 
How about this? You and I are out. Who's the coolest person in your phone? One person, Teddy, that if you texted them, they would text you right back. They would impress people. I'm, I'm not getting into that because I feel like a jerk. Well, you like, gotta give, like, me, give me one cool know. person in your phone. I know you got cool people. No, I mean, listen, I'm, again, I'm very fortunate. That just give me a cool I'm, person. I'm just, I know because that leaves someone else out. I'm not doing that. <laughs> because that leaves, I know you have good people in there. I'm lucky. I'm very, very fortunate. I'm not going out there and, and, and whatever that word is, name dropping. Is that what that's I was called? trying to make a name that drop. Name, I ain't doing that. I ain't doing, I'm, I'm lucky enough to, to, you know, they're all good. Because you know why? Because I can call them. And they'll write back to you. And they're not because, and if I need them, I'll give you one. Okay. There's a million of them. The good ones, uh, but I was in a I was in a I don't know, got to be ten years already. Could even be a minute longer than that. But I was at the Kessler Institute institution. I don't know if you know what that is, and it's a uh, it's a rehab center, a very advanced one, maybe one of the best in the country in Jersey mm-hmm. for traumatic injuries, spinal everything. And it was a young kid. From uh, Staten Island, he doesn't live in Staten Island no more. Uh, at the time, he might have just moved to Jersey. I'm not even sure. But anyway, he was from Staten Island originally, and uh, he he had a he was like 15 years old, and he had a traumatic uh, injury with um, swimming. Won't go into the exact details okay. of it, you know. Foundation has been involved in quite a few of these, to be quite frank. But anyway, maybe it was more than 10 years ago. But it was, so he went from a healthy 15-year-old kid playing sports and all life in front of him to he was a quadriplegic, like in in two seconds, you know, because he broke his spine, whatever, the and um, his neck, you know. And in this uh, accident, which involving with you know with the water, and so we get a call to the foundation that the family needs help. So one of the things we do first is we buy this machine um, that helps with the bone density when you get out of the rehab. But you got to get out of the rehab. You get home because now there's a whole new journey in front of you that you got to continue with the rehab and you got to you know so many things you try even though you're pretty much they try for the first year to get back what you can get back but after that it's you know it's gone it's a lost cause maybe yeah well it is i mean it's gone but i mean but you have these machines you need i mean first of all we do this a lot we we help put in a a, a stair lift Sometimes you have to put in a lift that's like almost like a little mini elevator to get them up, depending on the configuration of where they live, you okay. know. Or sometimes the ramp. So we were asked to do, I think it was a bone density machine where they, they put you in the machine you, and it just strengthens your bone density. You know, you still can't walk mm-hmm. or nothing, but um, it depends on what, f- it depends what phase of injury you have, you know. But... Anyway, I'm pretty sure that was the machine. It was one of those, or it might have been the, uh, it might have been that, 
or the the lift in the house. It might have been both. But anyway, we were asked to, and we helped. But then we got another call, which was more difficult. Because the least difficult thing is writing a check to buy a piece of machinery. You validate it, you see it's real, and you thank God that you got the money to write it. And um, that you have the help of good people that give you those resources, and you write it. It's not that difficult. But then you get a phone call where you come to the hospital. That gets a little bit more difficult. But you say yes. And you go to the hospital, and you see this family that's been, you know, torn apart by this. And um, you see this young kid, you know, in, in the bed, and he can't move anymore. And, you know, you talk to the mother in the hallway, and you get information. And part of that information is stuff that, you know, you don't really want to know, but you have to, but you you wind up knowing, of course, is that, you know, the kid don't want to live no more. You know, which I think any human being out there is going to be able to understand, you uh-huh. know, that you could go through those thoughts, right? If you're in that situation. And, um, so you start thinking, what am I going to say? I got to, what I say has to really, it's got to, it's got to work. Even though you, you, what gives you the right to think you're going to say something? But that's how you feel. It's got to work. It's got to get through to this kid. So you sit in there and one hour becomes two hours, two hours becomes three hours, three hours becomes four hours. And you're talking. And you, and in the midst of this, you say, you're finding out things about him. And you find out that he was a hockey player. And um, you find out that his favorite player played for... I don't want to give too much specifics, okay. but played for one of the local teams. Tri-state area teams. Right, in the National Hockey League. Okay. And even one of the Stanley Cup, okay? Okay. So pretty special, right? Mm-hmm. And you go out in the hallway and you excuse yourself and you take your flip phone. <laughs> Those flip phones work. It wasn't internationalized yet. It was not internationalized. <laughs> it could go to Yonkers. <laughs> and you go in the hallway and you call one of these... See, this, I knew we could get it to the the right way. Mm-hmm. And you call one of these names that you, however you identified it earlier, you know, kidding around and stuff, but, you know, like important names. Yeah. No. Now it's important. No. But now it's important. And, you, and he answers the phone, and you tell him the story, and you say, can you get over here? And he says, I'll be there in 20 minutes. He answered the bell. And he brings hockey sticks and signs them, and pucks and signs them. Yeah, that that makes that makes him a big shot. Wow! And that that makes it mean something that you have those phone numbers on your phone. Here's why you're great. 
Because you could, there's no way to even go back into boxing after that. So Teddy Atlas, and first of all, let me say this, without getting into spe- specifics, your foundation, and this is the truth, and I'm proud to say it, literally saved my brother's life. Not even a joke, not even, oh, an exaggeration. Your foundation, when he was on rock bottom, the last possible level of life, your foundation saved his life. So I'm forever grateful to you and your foundation. So the coolest person on my phone who came through was you. And I truly mean that. So thank you for that. Well, thank you. Thank you for letting me come to your house today. This is only part one. We'll do part two in five minutes. Now, thank you for doing the podcast. Good luck with everything. Remember, oh. remember what Rocky said? Do you remember what Rocky said what? in the ring after the first great Rocky movie? What? There won't be a rematch. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't want one. <laughs> well, here's, Teddy, here's why I love you because I love your honesty. Before we started the show, you're like, Mike, I really didn't want to do this. But I promised you yes, so I had to come through with it. <laughs> Listen, I'm glad I did it. You know why? Why? Because I'm talking to a decent person. That, that means a and, lot. To and me. the person next to you, your producer, Simba is the greatest. Uh, who's a good person. So, I'm again. I'm I'm fortunate. I'm fortunate. I get to spend time with two good people. Thank. You. Hey, Canelo Alvarez, who wins? I like Alvarez, and maybe to stop him. And again, that will make a I'm lot. Sorry, of, I mean Alvarez. Uh, yeah, that might that will might not make a lot of. You know, the, our of local course. people here. Because, uh, listen, I'll, I'll be cheering for Danny. I'm not afraid yeah, to too. say it. I'll be cheering for Danny. Great story. Great person. Mm-hmm. Great human being. Um, terrific fighter. It's about time I say this. If I'm going to answer that question, I'm going to b- qualify it by saying it's about time Canelo's earning his money. Right? <laughs> at least, Finally find at least somebody. Not earn your at least earn some of that $350 million, Right? <laughs> so, so in that way, I'm going to say now he'll be earning his money fighting a full-fledged good middleweight. Yep. Who can counter punch? Can use his legs? Who's got quick hands? Who knows how to fight? Who's got plenty of heart? But um, I'm not saying he's got a bad chin. Danny don't. Mm-hmm. But it's not granite. Not there's not a million guys out there with granite chins. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I will say that I think that Canelo Alvarez will go to the body. He showed a great ability to go to the body in the in the Golovkin fight. And his last fight too was a layup. Yeah. Let's be honest, but um, but he showed great ability to go to with a really good fighter to go to the body. I think when you go to the body with a guy who's a good boxer, he can suddenly become less of a good boxer quickly, and uh, I think that will be part of the strategy, part of what will take place. And I think somewhere along the line, his physical strength, his being Canelo's, will get a chance to kind of show itself, to impose itself, if okay. you will, on on Danny. And at that point, later in the fight, uh, he'll, he'll be able to take over. Teddy, thank you so much, man. Hey, right. why don't I have a Valzdick shirt? Why don't I have one? How was I not supplied with a shirt? Um, let me see upstairs if I got an extra one. <laughs> uh, if I do... I give it to you, but I don't know if I do. If I, I might go with the excuse that it's in the laundry. <laughs> Teddy Alice, thank you so much, my friend. You're welcome. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.